0: Thank you so much. I, um, I was just thinking about baby day and celebration of that. And can I just let you know, as a, as a preacher, there's two things I love to hear. One is, I love the word, amen, preach the word when we could do that. That's one of my favorite. But I got to let you know, I love crying babies. Um, and, and let me just tell you, I've been in churches where there's no crying babies. You don't want that day. Amen to that? You don't want that day. You don't want that day when babies are crying. So if you're one of those that, you know, sort of get a little irritated, maybe when babies are crying during the service, here's what I would just say, repent, suck it up, and go on, all right? In in Christian love, I say those things. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That's the text we're going to be. I don't know if you've ever considered where the the idea of New Year's resolutions come. I I was wondering about this. I was wondering, is this just something recent for us, or does this have any history to it? And I started doing a little research, and I come to find out, and you might be surprised, that New Year's resolutions or that concept goes all the way back to 2000 B.C. in the time of the Babylonians. And what they would do is at the first of the year, they would have a celebration. And I want to make sure I pronounce this right. It was called Akitu. And Akitu was this 12-day celebration. Aren't you glad we don't do that, right? It was a 12-day celebration, and what they would do is they would gather together. It was the start of the farming season. They would plant their crops. Uh, they would crown their king. They would uh, make promises to pay off their debts. One of the big resolutions back then was is that they would uh, return all the borrowed farm equipment. All right, I thought that was so interesting. The Babylonian New Year was eventually adopted by the ancient Romans, all right? And in 45 BC, the first, January 1st, was the very first time it was celebrated. Now, January is named after a god named Janus, and Janus was this god that had two faces. And the two faces was, was really... Um, a significant. So one face would look back to everything that had happened, and the other face would look to the future. Sort of makes sense, right? And so in 45 BC was the very first January the 1st. By the 17th century, though, here's what was. New Year's resolutions were so common, they actually found humor in those. We, we, we could sort of identify with that, right? in Boston in 1813 was the first recorded time of the idea of New Year's resolution. And here's the excerpt which I like. And yet, I believe there are multitudes of people accustomed to receiving injunctions of a New Year resolutions who will sin all the month of December with serious determination of beginning a new year with new resolutions, new behavior, with the full belief that they shall um, thus expiate or compensate and wipe away their former faults. Now, when we talk about New Year's resolutions, it's now, it's a part of our joke thing, all right? It's just, we just make fun of New Year's resolutions. So here's some ones I found that were really some quotes about keeping New Year's resolutions that I really like. Here's the one. My New Year's resolution is to break my New Year's resolution as quickly as possible so that I could say that I accomplished something for this last year. I like that one. Or how about this one? At the beginning of the year, I made the New Year's resolution to to, to lose 10 pounds and 15 pounds more to go. I like that one, all right? Uh, Here's another one. Last year, I kept all of my resolutions tucked away in a book on the shelf. And probably the one that I love that I, I saw this on Facebook is this one, the Dairy Queen one, ruining your New Year's uh, resolution since 1962. All right, um, you know I really I, I got to tell you I like I like this time of year. I I'm one of those I like to reflect. I like to I like to look back. I I really like to think about like one of the things I consider is this is. Spiritually, what am I going to do this next year to, to feed myself? And, and I really think about this, but um, I, I think I've come up with three ones that I really want to achieve this year. And, and I want to share those with you. And I don't want you to be shocked by them, but I, I do want to share those with you today. The first one here's my three resolutions for the year. First off, is this I want peace. The second one is I want to be rich. I mean, filthy rich. And then the third one is, is that I want to do everything of of the approval of Jesus in all I do. Now, when you're looking at those resolutions, here's what you're thinking. Bill, those are horrible. They're absolutely horrible. In fact, the first one's unattainable. The second one, I'm going to get a talk by the elders afterwards, all right? All right. And the third one is halfway decent. And let me just tell you this, they would be horrible if it weren't for the context in which these resolutions are coming out of. I mean, I'm seriously, they would be horrible if it wasn't for the context by which they are coming out of. But I want to let you know that I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you today to consider my resolutions to be your resolutions for this new year of peace, riches, and approval. Turn your Bible again to Colossians chapter three, and I want you to, we're gonna start reading in verse 15. And I think you'll understand just a second here why I think these resolutions are not only godly, but they're something that as a congregation we need to strive for and attain in this next year. Colossians chapter three, verses 15, it says this, let the peace of Christ." rule in your hearts since you are members of one body and called to peace and be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish with one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts and in whatever you do whether in word or deed Do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And now the light turns on, and now all of a sudden you're going, they're not as bad as they sounded when you first said them. I want to let you know I'm going to do the lesson a little bit different today. I'm going to spend this first part of the lesson on these resolutions. And I'm gonna to talk to you about them. I'm gonna I wanna unpack those these resolutions for you. And, and then what I want to do is this is that I want to go back then to verses one through fourteen and talk about some of the positioning ourselves and some of the processes that we need to incorporate into our lives so that we can attain the resolutions that I believe Paul is talking about in verses 15 through 17. <clears throat> And so let's, let's take a look at this, peace, riches, and approval. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul says this, and let the peace of Christ rule. Now, i want to let you know something. If you look around in this world, peace is in very short supply, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, what, what, we're on 690-some days of the Ukrainian war, we now are in the 100, day, uh, 100 days since the, the, the fighting has taken place over in Palestine. We're 100 days. Do you, have you noticed that everything's starting to gear up for the 2024 election? And I want to let you know something. There's not a lot of peace in any of that. And so the question goes something like this. How am I supposed to find peace in the midst of that? And if that wasn't enough, it wasn't just the world events, think about this for just a a second. How about the stuff that just invades our life? How about failed relationships? How about this? Children who have fallen away from the Lord. How about this one? Chronic and ongoing illness, mental anguish, anxiety, personal financial crisis, and and, and that's just some of the things, and the list goes on and on. And again, the question rolls around to us is, and how can I find the peace of Christ in that? If, if that wasn't enough, if it wasn't for just the world of man's, if it wasn't just the things that are going on and are as unsettling as are those, Jesus did this. Here's his promise. In John chapter 16, and verse 33, here's what he says. In this world, you will have tribulation. It is the promise of Jesus that we are going to feel pressure and we are going to feel trials. And so the question again is this, how can I find the peace of Christ in the midst of all of this? And why would Paul even even talk about that? It seems like the odds of finding peace in this world are so stacked against us, and they would be stacked against us if it wasn't for Jesus. Amen? You see, here's the thing. Jesus is the only way we're going to find peace in this world. Jesus is the only way we're ever going to find peace in this world. And so when Paul talks about peace, I was like wondering, okay, so what is he talking about? What kind of peace is he talking about here? And he really deals with these two concepts. The one concept is, it's the idea of joining things back together, that which was separated. In other words, peace comes when we come reconciled back to God. When that happens, there's this peace. But he also, Paul also talks about the peace that does something like this. Peace is this state of the soul. It's the state of the soul, this inner rest. And, and it's not because there's not things all around us that are, that are sabotaging peace. It, it, it's not that. Peace is this inner peace, this well-being that comes when Christ is control of our hearts. That's where peace comes. And then I found this word, rule. I want to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. And this word, rule, I'm going to let you know, it is so fascinating. It literally means this, let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. Now, imagine this for just a second. Imagine you're in the game. It's called the game of life, right? And you're in the game of life and you're at the plate and all of a sudden there's this ball thrown and on the ball is the idea it's cancer and it's thrown. I want to let you know the imagery Paul's drawing upon here is he's behind, he's the umpire and he goes, hey, don't swing at this man, I got this. or whatever the world has to throw at it. And, and the world keeps throwing th- stuff at us, and it keeps throwing stuff at us. And all of a sudden, Jesus is the umpire behind us, and he goes, hey, listen, yeah, you might want to take a swing at this one. Or he's saying to us, hey, listen, just let this go. It's a ball. It's not, it's not going to impact you. And, and so that's the imagery that's going on here. He's saying Jesus is, don't worry about this. You can't do anything about this. Just let this go. So I want to tell you is this let the peace of Christ rule. What are we going to do about the election that's coming up? 2024. It's the election. Look at the candidates. Oh no, what are we gonna what are we gonna do? What are we how are we gonna handle this? What's gonna happen? And I want you to imagine Jesus saying this, peace, be still. Or, or how about this? I am so concerned. The world is in so tied up in tension. I'm just afraid of this global conflict, right? We got China. We got Taiwan. We got the Middle East. We got Ukraine. We got now, you know, I mean, we, all of this. What are we, we going to do? What, I mean, what are we going to do with this? And Jesus stands and he says, peace, be still. My child doesn't come to church anymore. Yeah. Peace. Be still. Went to the doctor this last week. He called me back. And it's the big C. Peace. Be still. You know, I I just lost my job peace be still. See, in all things, we're to let the peace of Christ be the umpire, the arbitrator, the decider for the things that go into my heart. Not only are we to let the peace of Christ rule, we're to let the word of God dwell in us richly. You remember um, the Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz, you know, and Dorothy's famous statement, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And have you ever been on a trip, and, and you loved going on the trip, but when you got home, was that, that wonderful feeling? You walk into your house, and you go, you just sort of breathe. You go, oh, we're home. And you sit in your chair, you get your blankie out, you know, I mean, the whole thing. And, and, and it's just this feeling of home, <laughs> The second resolution, when, God, when Paul says this, let the message of Christ rule in you richly, literally what he's saying is this. What I want you to do is this. I want you to feel at home with the Word of God. I want you to feel at home. Literally, it means this. I want the Word of God to be housed in you. That's what I want. I want the Word of God to be housed in you. Isn't that a great feeling? And and it's this idea and this concept, isn't it, that the word becomes such an integral part and vital part of our lives. But if you like that, you'll like the word richly. Now, here's where I get I want to be really rich. I mean filthy rich. The word rich there comes from this word that we, we call, it's called plutocrat. And you're going, okay, that didn't help me at all. Plutocrat. And you're going, I have no idea. Now, we hear a little bit of that, you know, from the Ukrainian war. I mean, those people who have a lot of money behind the scenes. But let me help you with another word, a couple words. It's where we get the word tycoon and, and mogul. All right. But here's what Paul's saying is this. I want richly, I want the word of God to be this in your life, this incredible abundance, this extreme or vast material wealth. I want you to have enormous influence in you. I want you to have great prosperity. I want it to be opulent. I want it to be extravagant, lavish. And, And so here's what Paul is saying is this. Not only does he say, I want the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. I want the word of God to dwell in you richly. He's wanted us to say something like this, that when you peel back our life and our heart, When you peel back our life and our heart, that the Word of God just flows out of us like a rich person who has money flowing out of them. Isn't that a cool thought? Isn't that a cool thought? That the Word of God is so in us, dwells, it is at home with us so richly that if you were to peel it back, it would just come flowing out like just a rich person has money. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I found this quote, and I really like this quote. You see, here's what it says is this. What makes a difference is not how many times you've been through the Bible, but how many times and how thoroughly the Bible has been through you. Amen? Isn't that right? It's not how many times we've read the Bible as much as it is how many times the Bible has thoroughly been and gone through us. I love that quote. So in my second New Year's resolution, here's what I want to do. I want to be rich. I want to be stinking rich with the Word of God. Number three is this. I want to do everything I can to seek the approval of Jesus. Okay, a little little pulling back of the curtain and tell you what Betty and I said. We like a lot of shows, but some of the shows we really like. We really like, like, British baking shows, competition baking, thank you, Preach, right? Ooh, yeah. We like MasterChef, except for Joe, he's pretty harsh. We like Next Level. we like these competition baking shows. I mean, we just, we watch it. Now, we don't like uh, Chopped, because the people are such snobs, the judges are like, no, all right? But, okay, sorry, that was probably more information than you wanted to know, all right? <laughs> But notoriously, here's what happens. They're always interviewing the, the contestants, right? They're interviewing, interviewing the contestants. And, and every time, at least one or two of them, they'll go something like this. You know, all I want all I want to do is I want to really do well so my parents will be really proud of me. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's something horribly wrong about that, that, you're, that you don't know that your parents are proud of you if you don't do well at this cooking show. We're like this is really sad. And yet, in the midst of it, it actually grabs the sentiment of this third resolution, and that is, I want to do everything that I can to seek the approval of Jesus. And that's what he's talking about in verse 17, all right? In verse 17, It's this capturing of this third resolution. And Paul is saying is this, whatever you do, and I like one person who said life and lips, whatever you do with your life and whatever you do with your lips, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything by his authority. Do everything for the approval of Jesus. And we struggle with that because, you want to know why? We struggle with that because we put things in boxes. Now here, let me illustrate this. There's a box for church. There's a box for work. There's a box for when I'm out in public. And there's a box for this and a box for this. And each box really determines my conduct. And in this third resolution here, what Paul is calling to, what Jesus is calling to is this, don't build boxes. Don't let your church life be different from your public life. Don't let your work life be different than that when you come to church. Don't build boxes. And that's the third resolution. And so whether it's small or large or the public eye or out of the public light, let's do all for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's seek the approval of Jesus in whatever we do. And then one thing I found is this. Don't just look at verse 15 through 17, all right? Go back to that text, and I discovered this just, I don't know, it was I'd never seen this before. It's so cool because watch what this, the end result of these resolutions, watch this, this is really cool, is thankfulness. Look, look at this, let the peace of Christ rule, now watch this verse 15, and be thankful, all right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with gratitude in your hearts. Finally, whatever you do in word or deed, give thanks. And then here's what hit me about this. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if thankfulness and gratitude are indicators of how well I'm doing in these areas. Let me just ask this. Are you a negative person? Or are you a thankful person? Are you a complainer or are you a grumbler? Or are you a thankful person? I I, I believe believe that these, being thankful is the indicator, it's the barometer by which I begin to understand whether or not I'm allowing the word of God to dwell in me richly, if I'm allowing, if, I, if, I'm, uh, if I'm letting peace rule in my life, if I'm doing everything to the approval of Jesus Christ. It's the spirit that comes out of Matthew, uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and vi- verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of the lips that openly confess his name great resolutions right we could say amen right now right they are aren't they they're really good resolutions i'm not losing my mind and the elders are not going to have to come talk to me and i think there are resolutions that if that that we could grab hold of and that we could that we could that we could do, that'll be good for us as a church in this upcoming year, is these things. So what do I do? Now, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. What do we do with this? Because again, it's, I did this backwards, right? 15 through 17 is the end. And, and so 1 through 14 is the beginning of 1 through 14, in a sense, what it does is, is it positions us and it gives us the process to carry out these things, to achieve these resolutions. And so I want to talk a little bit about positioning and process. The first one is this, is to position, all right? Positioning ourselves so that these resolutions are a reality in our lives. And you look at verses 1 through 3, notice this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, appe- who, will, who, who, when Christ who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. And notice the past tense here in these verbs. They're past tense. Usually what we're dealing is we're dealing with these present tense, these future tense. And all of a sudden, in the very first three verses, Paul goes, since you've, been, since you've been hidden with Christ, since you have died with Christ, and the question is that, when in the world did that happen? Well, guess what? You pop up to chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and when they were baptized into Christ, guess what happens? They have been hidden with Christ, and they have died with Christ. It's the same terminology in the language that's used in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7, when it talks about you have died to your sin and have been raised with Jesus Christ. And so here's what happens. When we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we have died and we are hidden. I'm going to let you know that we usually do invitations, what we would call altar call, please, at the end. But here's mine today at this point is this if you have not been immersed into Jesus Christ, hide your life with Christ today. Die with Christ today so that you could be raised with Christ, so that you could let the peace of Christ, so you could let the word dwell in you richly, and you could do everything that approves of of the approval of Jesus. And that's the position. And, And while that's the position, there's processes that Paul deals with. And and I want to let you know in this text here, there are about 18 words, 18 words that either you take these things off or you put these things on. And I'm just going to want you to sit here for the next hour. We're going to peel back all of those words. Nah, I'm not messing with you. I wish we had time to, to talk about all those. Let me just tell you something. Do You want to do a Bible study that's really rich for you? Look at the 18 terms Paul uses. And then here's the question you need to ask, why? Why those terms? We don't have time for that, but I wanna deal with three processes that Paul deals with that'll help us to achieve the resolutions at the end. The first one is this. The first one is this, is to be sure to set. Now, in the first two verses, it says, set your heart and set your mind on things above. They're two different words, but they have the same meaning. It means this, let the orientation of your life Let the basic orientation of your life be this, up above. Where am I going to look? Up above. What am I going to do? I'm going to look up above. Can I tell you, that's why I don't watch news. Why? It's down here. Now, I read news because God's working in the world, right? I don't watch news. It's down here. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Let the orientation of your life be on things above. And that's the first process here, on above. And the question is, why there? And here's the reason. Because Jesus is there, right? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding, still working for us. Why do we set our things above? Why? Because that's where Jesus is. Number two is this. Be sure to discard. Get rid of. There are certain things that we must get rid of in our lives. we got to discard those. we got to get rid of them as quickly and as fast as we possibly can. And the first way Paul uses is this. He says... I want you to put to death certain things, and uh, you'll, for you Trekkie people, it's where we get the word necros. You know the necro, whatever they are. I'm not. am sorry. I'm not a Trekkie person. It's necros, and the, and the word necros means this. Here's what I want you to do with sin. I just want you to kill it. And, and so many times in my life, here's what I find. I look at sin, I touch sin, I flirt with sin. And Paul's screaming, Bill, just kill it. Stop touching it. Stop looking at it. Stop all of that. I want you to just slay it. I want you to just kill it. Paul will go on then. He'll use another term to take things off. And it's this idea of, is the idea of, getting rid of or t- casting off. And what Paul's doing is, is he's going back to the, the Olympic games. And here's what would happen is this. And there's no picture that you can notice. My pitcher is a good PG p- p- pitcher. because I want to let you know what happened back then. They, in order to compete, they'd strip down naked to run. They'd strip off every piece of clothing. They'd strip off everything that was going to encumber them, and they would run the race. And that's what Paul, the imagery of Paul is saying. He says, everything that is hindering you from running this race well, I want you to take that stuff off, and I want you to cast it off to the side. Why? Because, because I want you to get rid of the sin so you could thoroughly enjoy peace riches, and approval. Finally, Paul will go something like this. I want you to put on. I want you to clothe yourself. And there's all these things. He talks about holiness, compassion, kindness. He talks about gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And what he's saying is this. He says, literally, what I want you to do is this. I want you to dress yourself with these things. I want you to dress yourself with these things. Have you noticed this list, though? This list deals with the way we should treat each other. You know why did Paul pick these attributes? That's all I'm I'm always asking, why Paul, why are you picking these attributes? And Paul's picking those attributes because these are the core attributes, the characteristics that help us deal with each other in a brotherly love Christian way. Compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, and patience and forgiveness and love. And he's saying, what I want you to do is cast all that on, and I want you to put on these things. So, my resolutions are not as bad as they were when you first heard them, right? You actually thought, Bill, you've just lost your mind. But they're not. And so, our prayer, my prayer for you this year is this. May the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. May the word of God dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, in lip or life, may you do it all in the name and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all say what? Amen. Let's stand and sing.